Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning, church family, visitors. We welcome you here with big smiles. The stage is set for us to do just what we sing about in worship God and celebrate His goodness this morning. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 5, as we seek to treasure His wisdom and experience His goodness. Now, as we begin today, I want to be real with you from the very beginning. If anything that is said today in the text or from me, tries to bring up your past or my past and just throw it in your face. Say, uh-uh, it's not happening. My God hasn't called me to reach into the sea of forgetfulness, that which has been confessed to him, and bring it back up into the present as if it's my identity, as if it still dictates who I am. So just, just I'm encouraged, I'm asking us all to go ahead and agree with God. That's not what he wants with his wisdom. That we are a church who looks at the present and we celebrate who God is. We thank him for cleansing us and we look to him as he calls us forward into the joy of today and tomorrow if tomorrow gets here. Amen. So with that said, let's begin with this question Does God create anything, anything that's less than good? When we talk about the subject of today's text, and this is just one of the fun things about studying expositorily, is when we study the Bible as God wrote it to us, we deal with everything. We don't just pick and choose and dodge dodge this and dodge that. We deal with it. And so I want you to think Does God create anything less than good? Well, when exploring today's subject, it's so good, it's so beneficial to always go back to the intent of our Heavenly Father. Go back to the beginning and just hear those words again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God saw everything that he made. What did he say? It was very good. Indeed, indeed, it was very good. And so just use your imagination for a moment. See the beauty, see the splendor, see the mountains and the valleys and the streams and the lakes and just the color and just see the things big and small. See something small like a caterpillar and its little sticky legs crawling up a tree branch. And you're like, God gave detail to that. And it was good. See big things, uh, stars in the universe just glistening with light and just See Adam for a moment. See him, see the first man. And just, let's just say, he had such a good life. He walked with God in the cool of the day. He had a great job. Imagine waking up every day and, and, and we think going to the zoo is fun and good. But the zoo, the world zoo came to Adam to get their name. I mean, he was there with the dinosaurs and the, and the mosquitoes. He should have killed the mosquitoes, but he didn't. And so he's, he has a good job. It's fun. He wakes up every day. He loves his job. He loves his life. We love good food. We think good food is good. The best food in the world was in Adam's garden. He planted it. He tilled it. He ate, he ate from it. And he just, he was satisfied. But 
God looks into the good life that Adam has, and, and, and this is so familiar, and says, look, something's not good. You're alone. Now, it's not that God didn't create, that God created something not good. It's simply God's way of saying, I'm not finished with the good thing that I've already started. I have more goodness to create. I have more goodness to share. And I have more goodness to give. And so the latter part of verse 18 in Genesis 2 says God made Adam a helper, a helpmate, comparable to him. This would open up the door for so much goodness and that which is special and precious. So just, would you just see Adam now laying down? He's going to sleep. God's going to perform surgery. And so he trusts God. It's a good thing. And, and now just verse 22 of Genesis 2 says that God brought her to Adam. So see God bringing Eve to Adam. He's walking alongside Eve, and Eve is following God's lead. And from Adam's point of view, when God brings him this good and amazing creation he just created, he begins to speak poetic, which tells us he wasn't disappointed. His eyes said, well, it just went from good to great. Hallelujah. He, I guess he raised the first hallelujah in the garden. And just... Hear him, you know, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He's sweet on her. He's writing poetry. So the Bible tells us in verse 22 that when Eve was brought to Adam, she was a woman. The Bible tells us in verse 24 that she is a wife and she is, and Adam has now been joined to his wife. What happened? And they became one flesh. They were joined soul to soul, spirit to spirit, flesh to flesh. So it was a good day. God performed the first wedding ceremony. God, in this moment of time, instituted, blessed, and sanctified what marriage is. He said, it's a good thing. I'm giving you a good thing. So they had a wedding day, which was a good day. They said their, their vows. And then God gave them a new command. A command that wasn't given before. Adam, tend the garden. That's a command. Adam, don't eat the tree of knowledge, good and evil. That's a command. Adam, name the animals. That's a command. Here's a new command. Be fruitful and multiply. Adam raised another hallelujah. He said, okay. And so their honeymoon was good. And look, can I just be real with you? God didn't have to give them a video or a magazine to tell them what to do. He just left it to them to figure it out, which was also for their good. And so honeymoon was good. Everything is good. And God opened up the door to, to new possibilities. Children are a good thing. Family and cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents are a good thing. Friendships would come from this. And this is important because let's just step to the side and say for a second, this good thing that God did, not everybody throughout the rest of time would, would, would want it. Some people would feel called to singleness. That's okay. The Apostle Paul said, I wish everybody could be unmarried like me and just serve Jesus and not have to you know, be responsible for your spouse in, in a sense. But we think about it. We all benefit from the goodness of what God did that day. In this church, there's friendships that are deep and passionate. There's families and so God did a good thing that day. But Genesis 4 goes on to say this. 
Adam knew Eve, K-N-E-W. Adam knew Eve as his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And the word that we're going to use today is this Hebrew word, yada, yada. And, and so it just in respect for young ears in, in, in the room, and we'll give you plenty to talk about later on today, we're just going to use the word, and you, you follow me, right? Give me a head nod. Okay, you're with me. You're following me. Adam knew Eve, and okay, yada. And so with God's good intentions in mind from the very beginning of creation, would you now look at Proverbs 5 with me and stand in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy inerrant, inspired, infallible word. Beginning in verse 1 of Proverbs 5, a father talking to his son. And he says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. And the blue is the good. Lend to your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep Knowledge For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we hold today your word in our hands the wisdom for all of life's goodness. And we thank you that the evidence is in the word. You want your people to access your goodness. And so in the warning of us, you're simply not warning us to miss out on your goodness. Let us embrace today the goodness. Let us welcome the goodness, soak it in and store it up. And we ask that your spirit would have the freedom to guide us into all truth and all goodness. Let us not be distracted, but to just hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church is so fun. The big idea today, no points, just one big idea for the whole chapter is simply this. God's wisdom is a guide Forgiving what is good, not withholding it. You read that in Psalm 84 just a minute ago. That was awesome. God wants to give what is good and never withhold it. So just think with me for a moment. We just read about just the goodness of marriage and the goodness of yada and the goodness of family and friendships and all the goodness that would come from what God did in Genesis chapter 2 in the garden. So let's think of it this way. Everybody here probably loves cereal. This is Special K. I think this is one of the greatest cereals ever, ever given to mankind. Cereal is, is good. Would you agree? Yeah, hallelujah. You can, you can enjoy cereal morning, day, or night. Some of you get up in the middle of the night and you, and you eat cereal. But um, milk is also good. We love milk. Whole milk is better. Fat-free milk is terrible. Whole milk is amazing. Sorry, if you disagree, you're free to disagree because that was just my opinion. The thing about this is cereal by itself is pretty good and milk by itself is pretty good. But when you pull out a bowl and you, and you, and you pour yourself a bowl of cereal. And then you add the milk to it. What just happened? Even better. <laughs> Even better. The two became one. 
The two became one, and, 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 and they don't need to be separated. It's, it's good. It, and God says it's, it's good. They were made for each other. What was good just became great. And so you just, you just think what God did in the garden that day was great. Adam would agree. And most of us grew up knowing that what was wrong and what was bad. But think about how often that didn't stop what either the choices that we made or what went on in our minds because we were only told the bad. When I was 21 and going through a pre-marriage study with the creatures in Boone, my eyes were open and I just wept. I just wept because I had never understood the goodness that God was calling us all to. And just, but I was so thankful. I remember feeling just bursting with thankfulness to begin to grab a hold of it and say, that's where I want to go. And so when you look back at the verses that we just read in verses one through six, and you just think, what happened? Could we just agree that a father is giving his son what is good. He says, we're going to talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, someone else is going to talk to you about it. Or you're going to go ask someone questions and someone's probably going to give you their, th- their way of thinking in a not good way. So he's saying, I want to intentionally take the time and talk to you about it so that you can understand the good that God has intended for your life. So he's not withholding good. And so we realize sometimes because of the circumstances of life, mom has to have this conversation. Grandparents have to have this conversation. The teacher and the coach that's coaching the kid in the broken home, you got to have this conversation when they open up and they want to have the conversation, of course, with maturity and with respect. And so this is the beauty of the church. God wants the church filled with people that want to impart what is good and what can even be challenging to talk about. That's what just happened in Proverbs 5. He says, son, let's talk about it. Now, let me just say age is a big factor here. And, and you don't want to corrupt curiosity whenever the age is really young. And in the most simple way, if this encourages somebody, one of the most simple ways that we've always enjoyed doing this is, is we tell our boys, hey, so-and-so's coming over this weekend. And guess what? Guess what? They're both going to sleep downstairs in the bedroom and down, downstairs because you know why? They're married and they get to do that. And then a month or two later, so-and-so and so-and-so comes over and we're like, hey, guess what? She's coming over and he's coming over, but she's going to sleep downstairs. He's going to sleep in a room upstairs. Do you know why? Is it because they're, it, it, it they're not married? Yeah, because they're not married. And so we're, try, we're trying to make a big deal of what God has defined as good at an early age to say it's not us that defines it. It's him that defines it. And in this home, we want to honor and celebrate what is good. But here in Proverbs 5 is the picture of the children are older. And he says, hey, so we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And, and, and so in verse 3, he points to an immoral woman. If I had a daughter, I would, I would read it as an immoral man. And I would just say, look, look, remember, the woman and the man is not the problem. God created man and God created woman. Remember in the garden, that's a good thing. The problem in verse 3 with what she's doing or saying or he's doing or saying is simply this. They have believed the lie of the enemy. They have allowed the enemy, son, daughter. There's people out there that have believed 
the enemy. When the enemy has taken this good thing that God made and perverted it. That's the problem. It's not the person that's the problem. And so you step into Genesis 6 for a moment. The whole picture of the flood came for really one reason. The whole world was participated in wickedness and had become corrupt because evil was participating in Yadah in a way that God said, that's not how I designed it. That's not the intentions that I gave. And so God takes this so serious and he flooded the earth. And so we come back to Proverbs 5 and maybe the, the, the child or, or the teenager the, or would say, well, what, why is this happening? Why, why, why are you warning me from the immoral man or, or woman? Well, remember last week in Ben's sermon, chapter 4, verse 23? Here's the picture. This person has not guarded their heart. The honey, the words they're speaking are like honey. Remember, Ben talked about the mouth is an indicator and the feet are an indicator. Well, here the dad says, watch her feet and listen to what she says. And I, I would tell my daughter, look, well, don't you listen to what the boys are saying and doing? And, and so the dad says, look, it's, her words are coming out sweet like honey. They're enticing. They're inviting. They make you feel good. But in the end, it's poison. In the end, it's like wormwood. In the end, it's bitter. It's not good. And so he says, he's telling his son, the words coming out of the mouth are revealing what's taking place in the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The, the words are an indicator that she hasn't guarded her heart. I would tell my daughter, the way he's talking sounds smooth. Sounds, sounds, sounds really good. But keep listening to what he's saying. In fact, watch his feet and watch where he's going. Look at who he's hanging out with. And look at what he's doing on the weekends. And, and, and put the whole thing together. And what, what he's going to reveal to you, my daughter, is he hasn't guarded his heart. And he can't be trusted. To go with him or her is going to rob yourself of the good God has waiting for you on down the road. And, and so now he says this. You see a double-edged sword at the end of verse 4. A double-edged sword is really good at cutting and dividing. The goal for the immoral person is to feed into the curiosity and to feed into the urge to divide your relationship with God. To separate what is not good from what is good and think it's okay. So he says in verse 7, here, here, because of that, hear me. Children, just tune in. Don't depart from the words of my mouth. You hear how passionate the Father is, our Heavenly Father is for us, His children, all throughout the Proverbs. He is pleading because He doesn't want us to miss what is good. And so sometimes this is the conversation that you have to have with who? Your friends. Sometimes this is the conversation that some of you have to have with, your, with a parent or with an uncle or with that person at work that trusts you and is leaning in. And all you're saying is this. I don't want you to miss the good God wants to give. And so he says, look, but for your own good, take action. Verse 8, he just says, for your own good, take action. Remove your weight. That's a good choice. Far from her. 
Actually, take a better step. Don't even go near the door of his house or her house. Now, practically today, that might mean, you know what? Because the good God has stored up for me, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to delete it from my phone or my computer. I'm going to unfollow them, unfriend them, stop hanging out with them. I'm going to unsubscribe from it. I'm going to throw it in the trash can. It may be the picture. It may be the movie. But I'm going to separate myself from the thing that's trying to rob my heart from the goodness God has. Sometimes it may be a breakup. Other times... And this is in Corinthians. Paul said, hey, it's just better just to get married. That's a different situation. But there's sometimes it's like, hey, let's do this God's way and let's get married because we both want the goodness of God. But look, sometimes questions come up and it's like, well, how do you know? Why, why, why do we have to make this such a hard choice? And here you just, we just keep going back to the garden because God created Yadah. God knows what's best for experiencing Yadah. And, and actually, God has a time and a place and a who for Yadah. And it's when you and your significant other are in right relationship with him. And then he will bless it. And so you, it, it's so cool when you go to a wedding you see, uh, um, you see the, the two give their vows and then they go do some, something symbolic of unity. And you think about the three-strand cord, cord. It's so cool to watch a couple braid it together because one strand represents the groom in his life, the other, the bride in her life. And then that strand that's getting woven in the middle is God and his wisdom and his goodness. And it's just a fun way to say this isn't just two becoming one. This is three becoming, uniting, and we want God woven into every aspect of our lives for his goodness and for his glory, for our goodness. And so I step back and I think now verse 9 and 10 and 11 makes so much sense. What the dad says next, what you, the mentor, the parent, the father, the mother figure says next is so important. It makes sense in the blue is the good. My son, my daughter, your honor is precious to the Lord. Don't give it away. Your years of your life, God doesn't want to be given to someone that is cruel. In fact, he says, look, over the course of time, you earn money, your wealth and your labor, all of your hard work, your blood, your sweat, your tears, your, your business, your bank account. Don't just give it to a stranger. But if you start back here not believing what is good, then years down the road into the relationship, all of a sudden someone else gets it. He says, look, look, look. I want you to look into the future of your life. Your flesh and your body matter to God. They're very personal to him. Let it be personal to you. I'll never forget when Ethan said in a sermon several months ago that, as a church, we don't want to die on a hill that Christ wouldn't die on. Could we agree? This is a hill that we will die on. We will die as a church fighting for the goodness of lives, for wholeness of lives, for purity and modesty of lives, to help individuals see and know and become all that God desires. That's the process that we're all in. And so he's communicating to his children every part of you matters to me and it matters to your heavenly father. 
So now he says, I want you, I want to foreshadow a future, a a future that God has never planned for you because it's not good. It's a future I want you to imagine. He says, so step into the future and let's just say you don't believe the goodness of God and you don't want it. Here's something you might say. And he says, look, oh, how I hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I disobeyed the voice of my teachers. I didn't listen with my ears to those who were trying to Help me to those who were not withholding good from me. I was on the verge of total ruin. He looks at his children and he says to us today, we're not looking into our past. We're looking into our future. Amen. You're with me. And he says, this is not going to be your future. And it's not called to be your future because God has good plans for you. Good plans for this church and good plans for us. He says, I just want to throw it out there to help you to see it, to help us to all see it. So then it gets really fun. It gets really fun, it, it, but actually, before we step into verse 15, can you just pause for a moment and see Jesus talking to the woman of Samaria? How many husbands did she have? Were they like five? Can you just hear him gently talk? He didn't affirm her past. He didn't approve of it, but he didn't condemn her in the moment either. Somebody might need to hear that today. What did he do? He loved her right where she was, and he's telling her, I've got good plans for the future I'm the Messiah. What did she do? She ran back to Samaria and told everybody. You know who does that? Someone that believes in the goodness of God. Your past is behind you. The future is ahead of you. So then Jesus ends up back in Samaria for like two or three days sharing the goodness with everybody. Let's believe that. And now he steps, this dad steps into the marriage. And he says, look, let me just put put marriage like this. Here's here's what it's all about. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Son, daughter, let me just hear. Because of the good thing God started in Genesis 2, you're going to be thirsty. Your wife has the water. And so he's saying to the wives, don't withhold a good thing from your husband. He's saying to the husbands, if your wife is thirsty, let her come to your well to drink. Don't withhold the good thing from each other. God meant for marriage to be good, and God understands your thirst. And so we pause and we say, okay. In the marriage home... I don't want to give my spouse a reason to try to find water somewhere else. I want to let my spouse know water is always available right here. It's the well that never runs dry, right? Sometimes, I know, okay. Sometimes people use this as a crowbar and they say, well, because I know what you want and because I know how thirsty you are, I'm going to use what you, I'm going to withhold the good that you want so I can first get what I want and then you might can get what you, that doesn't work. That's not good. And so he says, let your fountain be blessed. Who has the power to bless it? God does. Let your marriage be full of joy. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. In other words, he's saying, grow old together, quench one another's thirst, enjoy life and marriage, and let God pour out his goodness. You know what's neat about this bowl? Is this bowl has been sitting here for what, 20 minutes? 
And if the minutes represented years, then, then we might could say this, the, it's, it's growing old together. The cereal has absorbed the milk. And, and the milk has become flavored by the cereal. Would you, just, uh, would you just quietly to yourself, not out loud, please, read verse 19? They're wondering. Shouldn't we ask, why is verse 19 in my Bible? Why did my good, good heavenly father put verse 19 in my Bible? In fact, Solomon wrote a whole book called Song of Solomon. (laughs) He wrote a whole book about it. Why is that in my Bible? We should just come back here again and just say, because God wants the cereal to be intoxicated or enraptured or soak up the milk and the milk to absorb the and be flavored by the cereal and, 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 let, and let the two, just, it's a good bowl, grow old together and, and enjoy. So he uses that to now set up his question in verse 20. This is such good wisdom. He comes, kind of comes back to where he started. He says, in light of that goodness, let me just ask you a question. Why would you, my son or my daughter, be enraptured? Or why would you soak in the immoral man or the immoral woman, knowing the goodness that God has for you? Why embrace another? Isn't, I mean, isn't God good? Look, could we just do this? Could we say, if this is God's intentions, and it's in his word, could we, could we pull out something else and just say, I want you to think about this. This is salad dressing. Salad dressing was made. You're getting me tickled. Hold on. I'm trying to focus here. (laughs) Salad dressing was made for the salad, right? It's on the shelf. It's not been united with the salad that it was created for yet. And so let's just do this. Let's just say, suppose salad dressing comes over. And salad dressing notices that the cereal is deciding to separate itself from the milk. The cereal shouldn't try to separate itself from the milk. I've got a napkin here somewhere. But the cereal is trying to separate itself from the milk. And even as the cereal has separated itself from the milk, the cereal is still absorbed, has still absorbed the milk. And he says, look, the salad dressing was made for the salad. If the salad comes over here and finds cereal separated and salad says, let's, you get it. You would never say, that just, that looks so good. I want to eat some. You, you, would, you would never say, take me to a restaurant so I can order that. You, you would say it's, it's not good. Can we just in the most simple way, trying to paint a picture, obviously, can we in the most simple way agree with God about his goodness. And can we just, you noticed earlier, I started in Genesis 2 and then jumped to Genesis 4. Can we just pause and go back to Genesis 3? And this is how we're going to close and just say, when Adam and Eve went to the forbidden tree, the immoral tree, the tree of immorality, and they took what they thought was what? They thought it was good. It was good to the eyes. It looked good to the taste. It looked good. So might as well try something. They took what they thought was good, but turned out to not be good. You know what God didn't say 
to them later on in the conversation. God didn't say, well, since you chose what is not good for yourself, I no longer love you. In fact, I have fallen out of love with you. In fact, see ya. He didn't say that, did he? His love remained committed to their marriage. His love began to speak of goodness. He foreshadowed the gospel and said, because of this not so good thing that you've done, I'm going to do something good about it. One day someone good is going to come. And one day when that someone good comes, he's going to say, look, a greater than Solomon is here. I'm the good shepherd and I'm here to undo the good, the bad that you have done. And so just hear this and we're closing. When we lean into the beauty of wisdom in the person of Jesus, what we find is he teaches us something so powerful that we never could be reminded of enough. We access the goodness of God through the forgiveness of God. It's in the forgiveness, the confessing and the forgiveness that God gives us that allows us to stay tapped into his goodness because we've all fallen short. We've all become guilty. There is none good, Romans 3 says. And so when we think about the goodness of God, he teaches us to not only receive forgiveness from him, but how to also forgive ourselves. Maybe someone is here and you just need to say, you know what? I'm allowing my past to just beat me up. Today, I'm going to agree with God and I'm going to be forgiven. Maybe someone today is here saying, I haven't been forgiving of my friend or my spouse. And the same forgiveness that has been shown to me through the greatness of the one who came is the same forgiveness I need to show to those around me, even those in my home. Can we agree with God and simply say, if I withhold the forgiveness that he's given, then I stay tapped into the hatefulness and the bitterness and the feelings of unworthiness that the Bible talks about. Let it not be so today or tomorrow in this church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it is in the greatness of your son Jesus that we want to rejoice and celebrate with today. Father, we ask that you would take your word today and plant and water seeds in our hearts that only grow into fruitfulness because it's rooted in your goodness. Let the people believe the evidence of what we've read today. Let us pre-decide in our minds and make choices now for our future because we know that you want goodness. For the one who might be struggling here or online today, Lord, let them come to Jesus. For the marriage that's struggling and is not experiencing your goodness but longs to, Heavenly Father, I pray that they would stop at nothing to show one another forgiveness. Father, for those that are searching and longing, we pray that they would see you inviting with arms wide open with a smile on your face. And for the one who is fighting with everything she has and with everything he has in his singleness, let that person experience your power. For the marriage that's fighting for everything you want, would you pour out your goodness today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 
We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day. 